Imagine, I want you listening in the audience to imagine right now that you had the opportunity to not only get to hang out a little bit with your favorite living author, but actually befriend that person. And then better yet, have them dive into your all-time favorite book together and pick it apart on a regular basis. I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy store today. That was a short clip from one of my favorite shows yet. I got on the phone for a two-part show with someone who just might have helped me produce my favorite episode ever. Now, we decided to make this into two parts because of the length, but I think you're really going to love this one. Be sure to reference silentgym.com to get all of the cool resources that we talk about in today's show. And let's jump over and talk to my favorite living author, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. You're going to like this one. Yes, that's right. We've got Rabbi Daniel Lappin with us today. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host, as always, Jim Cockrum, and I couldn't be more delighted to have the guest that we have today. This man is a mentor to me. He's helped me make several major business decisions. He's consulted with everyone from CEOs of multi-million dollar corporations all the way down to guys like little old me that need some advice from time to time on family relationship and business issues. He understands the Bible in a way that I've just never been exposed to because he is a rabbi. I mean, who better to teach you biblical truths of business and life than an actual rabbi, which is so cool. Rabbi Lappin, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. How are you, my friend? Couldn't be better, thank you, Jim. And uh, it's a real, not only a pleasure, but uh, it's an honor because I believe in in what you do. As as you know, you and I have been friends for a number of years, and uh, it's always uh, potentially awkward when a, a semi-public figure gives a recommendation a public recommendation or an endorsement of somebody's work. And uh, and I do so occasionally and rarely, but I did do that and I have done that for your work. So I just want to mention at the outset that uh, that I don't do a lot of these shows, but being here with you is really important to me. And that is incredible, sir. I mean, you know, if the audience will bear with me today, because I'm going to struggle a little bit today, to be honest, right? I set the tone. I, I could very easily use the next hour or so or however long we run just to benefit myself, but I want to make it for the audience's benefit. But if you will just allow me, uh, listener, a couple moments of time to hit on something that you just said, Rabbi Lappin. Imagine, I want you listening in the audience to imagine right now that you had the opportunity to not only get to hang out a little bit with your favorite living author, but actually befriend that person, and then better yet, have them dive into your all-time favorite book together and pick it apart on a regular basis. I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy store today, how much I anticipated and looked forward to. And this is probably the first episode, uh, Rabbi Lappin, that I've actually been a little nervous recording because I'm just uh, so much in anticipation of what we're going to do today. But the fact that you endorse what we do, when you came up to me after the event where you spoke at our event and uh, you said, Jim, could I record a, a short video? I've watched that a good number of times now. It's so encouraging to me. And I know the limb that you're going out on in doing such an endorsement. And that was very meaningful to me. And thank you again. Let me tell you why why I did. And, and yes, endorsements, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the only safe person to endorse is somebody who's no longer alive, right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. You, you know, at that point, you can safely endorse. But I don't think life is lived best by always treading the safest path. 
we don't tread the safest path buying a home or making an investment or getting married or raising children. All of these things bring risk of, of pain and aggravation and hurt, but they also carry potential that wildly outweighs the, 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 the possibility of pain. And so um, the reason I did reach out for you on that endorsement was because, you know, for the last few years in America, one of the uh, political slogans that has uh, caught on like a cholera epidemic um, <laughs> has been inequality. And frankly, it's done almost as much damage as a cholera epidemic in the sense that uh, politicians have successfully induced people to buy into this notion that inequality is one of the great perils threatening Western civilization. Right. Yes. And, uh, and if you think <laughs> Ludicrous. about it, there's a real problem with it. One is that it provokes envy because as soon as you focus on inequality, instead of focusing on what you can and should be doing, you're looking at it over your shoulder at the guy who makes you feel unequal. And then you focus on how can we can remove some of his wealth how can we strip away some of what makes him who he is? And it becomes an endlessly destructive spiral, benefiting absolutely nobody other than the politicians who promoted the seditious slogan in the first place. In reality, what everybody should be focused on is not inequality, but increasing your own income. That's what you should be doing. As a matter of fact, I think it's safe to say that it is hard to think think of a safer, more beneficial way for my fellow citizens to be occupied than trying to increase their own incomes. Never is a man more virtuously preoccupied than when he's pursuing a business interest, his own business yes. interest, right? No, it's so, it's so important. Yes, that's quite right. And now, were you quoting anybody on that? I can't remember who. I was quoting you quoting someone else, and you yeah. probably remember who it was. Exactly. It was Samuel Johnson. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Because I listened to your podcast, and I've <laughs> and we've got to talk about that for a moment, sir, because there's some significance there that I haven't shared with you yet. But I just want to say on the, on the idea of, of inequality, what I love about our message and what we're doing around here is we destroy excuses on a regular basis in our community. If someone wants to come in, to our community with an attitude of, oh, well, because I'm a minority or because I didn't go to college or because I came from poor household or because I got bad grades in school, we will instantly show them a line of hundreds or thousands of people who came from a worse circumstance and have built an incredible business using the internet because on the, on the internet, nobody cares. I'll go this far. I don't know if I shared this with you, uh, Rabbi Lappin, but a good portion of my team I've never actually met and a good portion of them that I've never met, I didn't know for the first several weeks, in some cases, if they were male or female, because we had a name from a different country, and I didn't recognize the how names are. And, and so how old they were, yeah. the color of their skin, I didn't know. It's irrelevant. Where they live on the planet, I could care less. It's about, can they produce results? Have they proven themselves? And that was what was so exciting, because in one flash of insight, when we were together, I got it. You help people increase their incomes. Yes, sir. That's Very what proudly. you do. That's what we and do. And when I grasped that, that was when I come, came to you and I said, you know what? I know you haven't asked me to do this, but uh, I want to reach out and do a little bit extra than what you expected from me because what you're doing 
is exactly what I'm all about. I believe in it so implicitly that um, if we can help people be able to change so many problems into mere expenses, so many problems can just be turned into expenses if you have a few dollars in your pocket. And that's, that's right. And that's what you help people do. How much better off would we be? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, just even when I look at, uh, and you spend a great deal of time, and we're not going to get too political. I've got a pretty wide range. It's hard to offend people in my audience. My audience has learned basically impossible to offend me. So we have a lot of people who, you know, we'll talk openly about anything. But you talked a lot about Trump. You were one of the handful of people, actually, who who called it very early on that not yeah. only would he probably win, but that you thought he would do well, and the next four years will tell us. But one of the lessons I learned from you and your discussions on that is give me a guy any day who's maybe they use coarse language, maybe they say mean things, maybe they're inconsistent in their verbiage and the way that they talk. But what do they do and what are the results they've produced in their life? Look at that. You know, you talk about the which neighbor would you rather have, the neighbor that says mean things, but in the end, he takes care of your kids when they need something. He, he, he does a helpful favor. He's a grumpy old cuss, but he takes no, care. I, I say this all the time. Look, I mean, uh, who do you want on the other end of a rope when you're mountain climbing? You know, a university professor with an unbelievably distorted sense of morality or a tattooed drill sergeant from the United States Marines. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. You know, one, one is, you know, has this veneer of uh, sophistication and intellectualism and uh, uh, good manners and the other far from it. But I know which one's a more reliable human being because there's a different value system. Yes. And I just and with him, I just with Trump, I just said that, uh, you know, number one, it's hard to believe that for 40 years in New York, in the real estate market, while everybody was trying to get an invitation to Trump Tower, Mar-a-Lago, and everybody was knocking at his door for a contribution or a gift or a bribe, whatever it was, all of those years, he was fine. And then magically, the minute he uh, he looked he as if he was winning <laughs> the Republican nomination, all of a sudden, he turned into a misogynist and a racist and a this right. and a that. It's a miracle of how quickly he could change, you know, and, and people are just hypocrites, uh, all of those folks in, on that side of things. And uh, I would encourage the listener, you know, they've got to go check out your podcast. It is, and I've said at multiple occasions on this podcast, it is the other podcast that you need to be diving into that will well, help get your head straight. Much. I've recommended sent hopefully many listeners your way and we'll continue. Thank we'll you. have show notes if you go to Silent And, and Gym. by the way, I, I know that we're here to talk about uh, what, what you do and I'd love to do that. But yes, uh, at the same time, I just want you to know that uh, listeners to the podcast can get a 20% discount. Uh, you know my product, Income Abundance Set. Incredible. I've got it all. And folks should just make a note that um, the coupon code they should enter at checkout on my website is Cochran, your name. Okay? Oh, fantastic. How generous. I'll, well, in the show notes, uh, silentgym.com is where our podcast is hosted. If you go there to this episode, you'll see in the show notes all those details you need to go grab that Good. package of products. My favorite of course, uh, that's included. And this is a nice segue into what I want to talk about next is your book, Business Secrets from the Bible. Yes. And Thou Shall Prosper, if I recall correctly. Both those books are in that, are they not, in that uh, package you just mentioned? They absolutely are. Good. Along with several hours of audio material uh, on CDs, which comprises all the stuff that 
Uh, I felt people need to get reviews on and stuff that could penetrate their hearts, even while they're doing other things like exercising or commuting or whatever it was. So we put a certain amount of material on audio. The rest is on uh, paper because there is something very important that takes place during the reading process. Yes, I, I completely agree. I've, I've listened to you on audio. And actually, I don't want to move too far away from this topic. Business Secrets from the Bible, your book. Um, I believe as we're recording this, uh, Rabbi Lappin, if you, if you go to Amazon, I'm the most useful review, which I'm proud of that title. Yeah, right, 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 right. absolutely. <laughs> because, but I, I dove into it with my kids and I, I left a review and some people liked it. And, uh, but that is outside of the Bible itself, my number one most recommended business book when people say, Hey, what, hey, Jim, what should I be reading? So I, I love that book. People just need to go grab it and read it. Even just reading through the title, the chapter titles could be a profound experience. But as you start diving into the content, and we've already done a little bit of that in this call, but I want to talk about, I want to tell you a story about your podcast that I haven't shared with you yet. The listeners may not realize, and I know you don't uh, necessarily know this full story, but I ran a marathon a little over a year ago. It was my only marathon. I hope to do more in the future. But in preparation for that marathon, your show comes out on Saturdays. And to tell you how big a fan I am of your show, I knew that your Saturday podcast wasn't going to be out in time for me to listen to it during my marathon, which started very early in the morning. So what I did is I waited a whole week to listen to your show. I saved it for a week so I would have one ready that I hadn't heard yet that I could listen to during the first, oh, let's say third of my marathon. After that, I listened to music to keep me rolling. But that first third, I was listening to a podcast episode. And to my knowledge, it's the only one that you've ever aired twice just last week your most recent episode, it was the same episode again, and it was on optimism and just a profound, powerful message. And I think as we segue into giving our listeners some really good hit them between the eyes advice on how they can use the internet more effectively as a business tool, it doesn't matter what business you're in, this is good advice. Talk to us a little bit about optimism. I loved that episode and we can't spend too much time here because I want to dive into some other topics, but do you know which episode I'm talking about? Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And again, people can of course hear it on the podcast, but the point that um, I, I think the most important two points are number one, optimism really, really impacts our lives on three levels, social, romantic, and financial. And uh, um, it stems from the, the very simple fact that, uh, you know, life is too short to spend time with people who drain your energy. And pessimistic people drain energy. Now, yes. that obviously doesn't, doesn't mean you have to be a Pollyanna kind of person who everything is, is wonderful. Yeah, you know, life has problems and challenges, no question about it. And only a fool blinds himself to challenges and assures himself that everything is going to be fine. No, of course you take the necessary precautions and uh, you do the necessary preparations. But in general, uh, to be an optimistic personality uh, is an incredible gift to your spouse or to your future spouse. It's an incredible gift to um, the people you do business with. And people seek out others who are optimistic. People sometimes say to me, why is it that, you know, there's some people who just have a lot of friends and I have almost no friend. Well, first thing you should look at is do you radiate optimism or pessimism? 
And you you might think to yourself, and be very careful about this, you might say to yourself, well, you know what, I'm a sort of phlegmatic sort of guy uh, or woman. I don't radiate intense optimism. I don't radiate pessimism. In other words, you're saying to yourself, you're neither. You don't radiate optimism or pessimism. Guess what? You're radiating pessimism without even knowing it. Yeah, I'm just a realist. No, you're coming across pretty pessimistic there, partner. No, right. (laughs) If you are not focused on radiating optimism, you are a beaming thousand kilowatt transmitter of pessimism, whether you know it or not. Yeah, it reminds me of the character Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh. I don't think he knew he was a pessimist. I just think he thought he was just taking life as it came. But yeah, what, exactly. what a downer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's tremendously valuable to um, in business interactions and social interact, tremendously valuable. And the second point is that, is it possible to grow optimism? And here's one of the great secrets from ancient Jewish wisdom. Honestly, Jim, you know, I don't think, I don't think I'm the dumbest guy in the, uh, in the United States. Uh, I'm not the smartest one. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just in the middle bell curve like most of us. Right. And, Me too. Uh, and I know for a fact, though, that even if I was double as smart as I am, in two lifetimes, I never would have figured out how to generate optimism. Oh, I know where you're going. Can I know I- the value of optimism. I know all the benefits, but yes. I never would have known. Okay, fine. You've convinced me, Lap. And how do I – look, I'm not naturally an optimistic person. I grew up in this sort of household where there was this sort of chaos, and I had this sort of background, I had this sort of pro- – and in my life, I've had these problems. So I'm naturally – I expect the worst. And how do I get out of that? And there is an answer to that. It's and a one-word answer. I know where you're well, going. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those one-word answers that needs a full chapter to then explicate. And we don't exactly. have a full chapter now. But, <laughs> but you've recommended, kindly you've recommended my book. And, uh, and in the material in, um, in the Income Abundance set, there is actually a full layout of this. The answer in one word is gratitude, of course, as of you course. well know, Jim. Yes, sir. But, uh, but what it means is actively pursuing a strategy of expressing gratitude with your lips and your mouth and your tongue every single day to all kinds of people, people you've thought of thanking and people you haven't thought of thanking. But as you get into the thanking mode, all of a sudden, your optimism starts ballooning and growing and mushrooming and uh, adding enormous excitement to an enhanced life. Could I use an example that I think you might uh, you might enjoy? I, I helped place, this is just coming back to me, I helped place foreign exchange students into homes in America. So they would come in and for a week, I would spend time with these high schoolers from all over the world, Brazil and different countries around the world. And they were coming into this completely new culture, new environment. And it was our job to kind of prepare them for, for life uh, in the United States for the next year. And one of the observations, regardless of just about any other culture, especially the Spanish speaking cultures that we were exposed to, and especially uh, some of the European cultures, they said, why do Americans say thank you constantly? Oh, and I had a trouble explaining it to them. I'm like, we're just grateful. We're, you know, we're grateful. He's like, that doesn't make sense. We never, like you guys say thank you 50 times a day. We say thank you once a week, maybe in our culture. You guys are so strange. And I'm thinking now I'm connecting the dots. It's that Judeo-Christian ethic that's built into us somewhere along the line. We, we paid attention to this lesson from the best business book ever written, the Bible, that said, be grateful, approach life with a grateful heart. And when you have that gratitude, optimism results. And that attitude of scarcity and that depressed mode can't fit 
in such a heart, right? So I'm just yeah. connecting that dot that these kids, it was so strange to them because some of you may be listening to this thinking, yeah, who isn't grateful? Well, there's a lot of cultures that just don't have that built in the way we do here in Western culture where we understand gratitude is important. If somebody does something nice for you, you say thank you and ex- you express it in a meaningful way. Um, so yeah, I want the reader to go dig into your book, Business Secrets from the Bible, and pull this and many other valuable lessons out. Let me explain to you uh, the next topic I've got for you, Lap, and I, that I want you to hit on with us just a little bit here. It's virtual community that we've grown, where there's a very little face-to-face interaction. You know, it, there's some challenges that come with that. From a biblical perspective, you know, how can we build genuine relationships and and navigate in such a virtual culture with our customers and with our partners. And there's some people on my team, like I've never met. I don't know. Are, are you prepared to kind of dig into that one with me a little bit? Is that, is that a topic that you could help us out with? Um, just, just clarify it for me. I'm not sure I exactly caught on. Sure. Well, you know, our Facebook group, for example, there's 32,000 yeah. of us. We hang out in there, we interact. And all I know is it's, a, it's a, someone's profile picture is their cat and what they have to say, the words on the screen. And that limits our relationship, does it not? You know, what else can we and should we be doing to generate genuine relationships and truly propel our business forward faster? Because you and I both know, and I've talked about in past podcast episodes, genuine relationships are what build businesses. Well, you may have heard me uh, tell an account of um, an economics conference in Uh, Cancun, Mexico, I was speaking at. And one of the other speakers there, far more distinguished than me, was the late John Templeton, the creator of the Templeton uh, Group of uh, Mutual Funds. Yes, sir. And he was he was an older man at that point. Um, But I did have an opportunity to sit with him in the hotel lounge one afternoon. And I, I asked him what was if he could put his finger on the one best investment he'd ever made. And he laughed and he said, sure. Uh, airline stocks in September 2001. Yes, I, I remember that story well. I love this story. And I said, um, tell me more. He said, well, airline stocks fell through the floor after 9-11. A lot of otherwise thoughtful people were saying, oh, nobody's ever going to fly again. He said, look, I know after my years in business, I know that a significant deal in the final analysis takes place when two human beings sit face to face across a table with each other. And he said, so I didn't know the hows or the whys or the wherefores, but I knew that people forever were going to still find a way to travel for business. And somehow or another, the airlines are best positioned uh, to provide that service to future business travels, whether it's conventionally by A. So I didn't know the details. I just knew that uh, after the shock of 9-11, they'd bounce back. And he said, and boy, did they ever. And so the point is a good one. And I must say that, uh, Jim, you kind of already, you've answered it yourself. So I, I will tell you what it is, you know, if you need help knowing uh, what it is that you've already done. But it's possible that between us, we can come up with with even more than that. And that is, you are still, see, I would have said, here's what you do. You've got to arrange regional get-togethers for your people. But that's what your CES conferences do. Yes, sir. Yeah, I learned that lesson. And my wife had that idea well before I did. She just instinctually knew, as did our now event coordinator. They begged me. I don't know if you knew this, but they begged me for years. And I said, no, we're, we're internet business people. We don't need face-to-face interaction. We use the internet. It's counterintuitive to me. Like, why would we need to get together? We have the internet. Um, it, but they talked me possible, into it. 
It may be, and and again, I think we know each other fairly well. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there was a little part of your makeup that dreaded face-to-face contact. Yes, sir. Yes. And you you really liked (laughs) the fact that you were best friends with 30,000 people, uh, but you never actually ever had to shake hands and spend half an hour talking to them. Oh, I'll share something with you that your influence, and to wrap up this topic before we go there. We're in complete agreement. We do live events now. Uh, we've actually got a global map for our community that anybody can jump in and they can stick a pin in the map and see who lives near them from our community and very intentionally get together with those people who live locally near them. That uh, is really cool. Is that map cool? online? Is that on your it's, website? It's in our Facebook group. Yes, sir. In the, in your in, Facebook. Yeah, we'll have, a, we'll have a link to it uh, in the show notes. A great idea. So you don't have to necessarily be at every get-together, but if, no. but if all the people who are mastering revenue generation through your system, your approach, your teaching, if they can occasionally get together and yes. if they can even be encouraged to, uh, hey, you know, pick up the phone or use your Facebook and invite two or three other families over to your place on, on Sunday afternoon, make a barbecue, make something informal, just get to know these other folks because nothing but benefit flows from this kind of interaction. Yeah, that is why God gave us business. He wants us interacting and serving. You know, it, ah. it, these are the things that are in your book. But but here's how seriously I took your advice. One of my favorite episodes from your podcast and concepts in your book is that again from a biblically based, timeless, truth-based standpoint, the circles of responsibility go outwards, meaning my first responsibility is my walk, spiritual walk, in our case, with God. The next is your spouse and then your kids. And these rings move outward slowly, your neighbors who live near you, the people in your city, your region, your country, which is a very serious commitment, and they move out. But there's a whole other worldview out there that says, uh, maybe I'll let you explain, probably better than I could. You know, what's that other worldview that goes the opposite direction. You know, the, the way a socialist... <laughs> I, know, I know I'm supposed to jump in, but I'm, I'm not sure where you're pointing. A socialist might say something like, I'm, oh, oh, I, oh. I'm serving all humanity. Yeah, I love yeah, all yeah, right. people. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Of course. Gosh, you, you, know, you know my work as well as I do or better. But no, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, these, these are the two, essentially, the two um, opposite ends of a spectrum line of human interaction. The... Uh, uh, what what I think of as the ethical capitalism end that you and I try to occupy and the socialist end on the far side. And, of course, it's a spectrum. And so there are people at different points along that entire spectrum line, some closer to the socialist end, some closer to our end. But, but yes, at the socialist end, in its extreme, uh, the perception is that all human interaction is exploitative. That's, that's what they believe. And so naturally – Everything in a socialist uh, worldview and in a socialist society discourages interaction. And uh, even on a governmental level, it encourages a hub and spoke relationship where every citizen's primary relationship is with the government at the center of the wheel, but not with other people on the wheel. And uh, in an ethical capitalism society, it's quite different. There are a hundred different ways or a thousand different ways of interacting, whether it's, you know, your kid's PTA or the church or the uh, social group or the uh, 
uh, or the Boy Scouts or whatever it is. There are so many different ways of interacting with people, the least important of which is our relationship with government. These are the two great distinctions between these two uh, contradictory worldviews. And our argument would be that our approach produces far greater uh, freedom and far greater happiness. The evidence is is historically sound. And, and perhaps we should have started with that point, but you don't have to look very deep into the statistics to see that those of us who follow this Judeo-Christian ethic have literally built the most successful cultures and civilization that the world has ever seen. Yeah, of course. It's inarguable. So we won't dwell on that point. People can do their own research. But to tell you how seriously I've taken that advice that you just gave, where I call them your uh, your circles of responsibility, you know, mm. my mm. walk with God first, then my spouse, then my kids, my neighbors. I began very much against my own you know, selfish personality traits. I began meeting locally, inviting anybody who wants to come, come on in once a month as I can do it, We'll just talk about internet business, and we meet at a church that donated their uh, space to us generously, and I began doing that, taking myself out of my comfort zone, and the connections I've made, the relationships I'm beginning to build, I approached it initially as if, oh, well, this is me sacrificing my time to serve others, okay, but I'm meeting some great sponsors now who are paying, some consulting clients, you know, great partners, people who are working very closely in my business now. We've got an insurance rep who's working very closely with us that I never would have met otherwise, and just tremendous value. And so I want to encourage internet marketers and those of us who use the internet for a living You've got to be meeting face-to-face on a regular basis, locally. Maybe it's just a handful of people. But if that's a missing element from your online business strategy, it needs to be happening. You've got to make that happen. I actually recorded a podcast episode not too long ago, Rabbi Lappin, where I said, put down your keyboard if you want to make money on the internet. Yeah, Encouraging encouraging them to get away from their computer. A phone call is better than an email, and face-to-face is better than a phone call. Uh, you can't do it all the time. You can't do it with everybody, but you've got to be careful about uh, not falling into the the, the trap of becoming a, a sort of mouse behind the baseboard, you know, sending out uh, communications by electronic waves. And meanwhile, you're in reality, in terms of flesh and blood, you're nowhere to be seen. That's problematic. Now, when you have your conversations in, in church rooms or elsewhere, do you advertise those conversations and allow an audience to come and just listen to you conversing with somebody? You know, I've done a little of that, and I've also done just a very interactive, we each kind of take turns, and I give my input. I'm up front. Mm -hmm. I can't say we've got a real intentional, I'm just kind of letting it become whatever it becomes. Uh, If people have questions for me beforehand, I'll put together a bit of an agenda, Mm -hmm. but it's it's kind of like a support group for, for internet-based entrepreneurs and those interested in that topic. But I, I would love, I would welcome any uh, advice or counsel that you might have for me or for others who are looking to do such a thing. Did something come to mind there, specific? No, just that um, I think it would be very encouraging for Cochrane fans around the country, your, your entire tribe, everywhere to know that if they would ever put together a sort of Q&A uh, evening of, of a certain size, they could apply to have you come out and to actually be there. And that becomes, uh, you provide a tremendous boost to them. And at the same time, it's something you didn't physically have to get involved in doing, but it gives you a chance to to interact face-to-face with, with all kinds of people who are part of your family and whom you've never yet met. Oh, I love the idea. And I can see as I enter this next season of life where my kids aren't living under my roof, 
I fully intend to do a lot more traveling and, and that chapter of my life is rapidly approaching. It's, it's, I've still got a few, quite a few years left, but I do see myself doing a lot of travel. So if the listeners thinking to themselves, yeah, I doing more and more speaking, I'm finding myself more comfortable behind the microphone. Some specific advice again, that I learned from you, I've gotten very comfortable. I did a keynote presentation earlier this year. I don't think I told you. It's actually episode one of this podcast. We just recorded it and put it out there. But I got up there literally with no notes, which for me was just terrifying the first time. I know. It is terrifying, but it's life-changing. Yes, sir. And you were the one that encouraged me to do that. And I mean, I had a couple three-by-five cards because there were a couple things I just absolutely had to remember to say. But other than that, uh, I just kind of went and spoke from the heart. And it was just so, um, such a great experience for me. It gets such a confidence booster. And I think the audience interaction, you can hear it in the audio because it was just more conversational. It was flowing. There's a benefit to them having been in the room versus just reading it on paper somewhere because it was me and it was my personality and the things that I was excited about, I was able to get excited about instead of staying on script. Yeah. And, and thank you for that encouragement. And I think being able to speak publicly is a part of, is a leadership skill that at some point in your business, we all are going to need. And you're thinking, oh, Jim, I just have an internet business. You know, I, I sit behind the keyboard. I do. No, I want to challenge people, get out, get in front of people, become a leader. Those skills will boost your business forward. These are things you need to be learning and getting comfortable with. And I would have been very comfortable to never have gotten on a stage in front of people. But thanks for encouragement from my wife, from our now event coordinator, Ray, from you through your podcast and through readings and conversations. I've grown into a different role now that has had all kinds of benefits. So thank you for that encouragement. The benefits are beyond in the sense that, you know, any any true equation reads both ways. Two plus two equals four. Four is also equal to two plus two. Or hydrogen and oxygen can be turned into water or water can be broken up into hydrogen and oxygen. Um, it is true that uh, uh, doing more speaking, public speaking, is good for your business, shockingly good for your business, unexpectedly good for your business. However, being in business is also very good for your public speaking. And uh, public speaking is good for you. Why? Because it's a confidence builder. It turns you into a more effective and actually, frankly, a more powerful personality. It is a very good thing. So many people who who, who, uh, go to Toastmasters and all kinds of organizations and they would say, you know, I want to learn how to be good at public speaking. All right. You know, that's all wonderful and good. But the very best thing is open your own business. Because that'll force you to do more public speaking, and you'll be astounded at what that will do overall for your entire life. That is fantastic. There's so many patterns here. Man, I wish, sometimes I find myself thinking, I wish I would have learned all of this in my 20s. Now I'm in my 40s learning these things. Like, oh, what an advantage it would have been. But I'm able to pour these lessons into my kids, which actually is a bit of a segue into the next topic. Now, you homeschooled your kids. I do as well. Uh, and one of the more profound lessons that I learned from you, it was a breath of fresh air. And whether you homeschool your kids or not, listener, that's irrelevant at this point. Because according to ancient Hebrew biblical wisdom, there's only three things we need to teach our kids as parents. And if we get those three right, in my words, this is me speaking now from my vantage point, they're virtually unstoppable. And do you mind diving into those three things for us for a moment? Hey, Jim here. Sorry to cut you off right in the middle of such a cool conversation, but I have some good news for you. We did provide two parts to this episode, 
And rather than make you wait a few days for the next episode, which is part two of this conversation, we just went ahead and uploaded both of them together so you can jump in right now and go grab the next episode if you'd like, which is part two of our conversation with Daniel Lappin. And we pick up right where we left off discussing those three things that every kid needs in order to guarantee their success in life, and us adults too. It's the way to live life the right way so that you thrive, not only in your business, but in your personal life as well. So jump over, grab the next episode. We're going to continue the fantastic conversation with our guest, Rabbi Lappin, and let us know what you thought too, because I'm excited to have him back if you guys tell us that you really liked this one. All right, see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.